What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Junkyard. I'm your host, Junkyard James, and we got a jam-packed show for you today. We're going to start the show off by talking a little bit about Jade Cargill and her move to the WWE. What does that mean for the WWE? What does that mean for AEW? Just kind of my take on that. And then we begin a series that will last the next month or so called The Junkies. It's my awards of, of um, certain categories. Today we will start The Junkies by naming my top 10 men's wrestlers of 2023. Before we get started, though, make sure to like our Facebook page, the Junkyard Media Group page on Facebook. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to hit the like button, follow or subscribe, follow us on X, aka Twitter at, at JunkyardMG. But let's get going. Welcome to the Junkyard. I said let's get going let's talk about jade cargill i think this has been something that has been well documented here the last several days she has officially signed a multi-year deal to join the wwe and has already um been um at the performance center for a couple days now and I've had a couple of days to think about my my thought process, my reaction to this. I didn't want to overreact or underreact. But I've seen a lot of that overreacting from both sides of the aisle. Um, and, and overall, this, this could be – this has the potential to be a big loss for AEW. But I don't think it's as big as what the WWE is making it out to be. Let's just be honest. Jade Cargill isn't in the position to where she gets the media flaunting that the WWE is doing the first couple days of her tenure here. If it wasn't for the fact that she was a beast in AEW. Let's think about it. She, she had a tryout at the WWE Performance Center before she signed with with AEW, and she didn't get picked. That's why she originally picked AEW in the first place, because WWE didn't want her originally. And she comes to AEW, shows herself to be to have the potential to be a superstar in the wrestling business. AEW books her basically to be the female version of Goldberg, where she. Up until the end, where I think they've already they already kind of saw the writing on the wall that she was ready to leave, um, they had her drop the belt to Chris Statlander. And I, I think all of that makes sense looking back as to why she dropped it where she did. And then immediately after dropping the belt was gone for quite a while. Um. But it isn't as big as a pickup right now that as WWE wants to make it be. Because she's still green. She's not great in the ring. She has pretty decent mic skills. 
but outside of that, there's no there's no character or aura about Jade Cargill that makes me think that day one, without spending a lot of time in the performance center or in NXT, that she that she can hang with the top gals in WWE. She's going to get that initial push. My, my vision, if if I can see the WWE doing something, is Jade will be in the performance center for probably the rest of the year. And she'll make her debut as a surprise entrant in the Royal Rumble. She wins the Royal Rumble. She gets her WrestleMania moment. Immediately gets a WrestleMania moment. Because she wins the Royal Rumble. She'll have a match against um, Charlotte Flair or Rhea Ripley or whoever the other champion is um, at that moment in time. I'm sure it'll change at some point. Or maybe she'll go after Becky Lynch if she's still NXT Women's Champion. And then she'll get her moment. She Maybe she wins the belt. Maybe she become. you know, they present her as some big superstar in the making. This next megastar, Jade Cargill. She gonna, she'll win the belt. She's going to have her first title run. But what happens six months to a year after... Jade Cargill makes her debut. Because she's not going to be in the main title picture for a year straight. She's not she hasn't built herself to be that way. And so here here's the fear cuz WWE hasn't done this with anybody. They they didn't do it with Cody Rhodes. They did, they haven't done it with nobody but Roman Reigns really at this point built a next level megastar that they're claiming that they're going that Jay Cargill's going to be in WWE. They have they didn't do it with Cody Rhodes. They had the opportunity to do it with Cody Rhodes and they dropped the ball there. So while this could end up being a major loss for AEW and I'll admit that I think they 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 treated Jade Cargill the wrong way. And and I think that it has been said on the record one of these shows that I've done, this is episode 20, so one of the previous 19, or maybe on some other show or something, I've said that Jay Cargill should not have been holding the TBS title. She should have been doing her reign with the world, the women's championship, the AW Women's Championship, and use that TBS title in the way that it's being used now, where you can get these up-and-coming young girls opportunities to show their skills like you're doing with Julia Hart fighting Chris Statlander this Sunday at WrestleDream. Jade Cargill holding the TBS title was holding the mid-card up. She was better than the mid-card title. She should have had the world title and had matches with Soraya and Tony Storm and Britt Baker instead of having matches with Red Velvet and Layla Hirsch and... Um, the ladies that she that she's been fighting, um, Kiara Hogan, Willow Nightingale, people that are in the mid card at this moment that aren't in world title picture. Jade was world title material, and 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 I have admitted that they they messed up the booking of Jade Cargill. But Jade wants, I think Jade wants more than just to be a wrestler, and this is why I don't think it's that big of a loss for AEW. Because you have to understand the, the the 
the core fan base behind AEW, the core fan base behind AEW is different than the core fan base behind WWE. The core fan base behind WWE are going to be those who, who just want to be entertained. It's just a TV show to them. Another TV show, a live, a live, um, a live drama, should you say. Wrestling doesn't matter. It's all about characters and storylines. The main core fan base behind AEW are those who just want to see people beat the shit out of each other for 10 minutes. And they care about the move, the move sets and the, and, and storylines don't necessarily matter as much. And promo ability doesn't really matter as much. What can you do in the ring? And for Jade Cargill, the reason I think she was never used in the main title picture is because she isn't. And maybe the WWE can change this, but she wasn't that great of an in-ring performer. And so in the AEW system, there was there was a ceiling that she was going to hit. And she hit that ceiling because she wasn't that great in the ring. And that's n- maybe not her fault. AEW just doesn't have this design to where they're going to take people that haven't really wrestled much before and are going to be groom them to be good wrestlers like the WWE has with the performance center. That's not AEW style. And I think both styles work WWE style. And, and so this is the greatest, um, this is the greatest picture. I, I thought about this yesterday when I was coming up with this episode and what I wanted to talk about. I thought about this yesterday. This is the greatest example I can think of. WWE's style and AEW style kind of differs like this. I imagine for a moment, you have two different plumbing companies. One plumbing company advertises a, a job for a plumber and they say that experience is preferred, but not required. We will train you to be the best plumber. We will pay you to get your certifications. We will pay to get you trained. We will make sure that you do it the way that we want you to do it. That way it is done our way. The other plumbing company says, we're not here to train you. We want already certified, already established, already well-versed plumbers, and we're going to pay you better money for that. Now put that into the wrestling business. WWE system was, we were going to take these really good indie wrestlers and just sign them to NXT and then move them up when, when we feel they're ready for the main roster. Then AEW came along and they said, we got to change our philosophy. And so now we're going and we're doing these NIL deals with these people that are uh, what they call NIL, next in line, I think it's what they call it in WWE, Um, with these people that were college athletes. They they weren't trained to be wrestlers, but they're college athletes. They're very athletic and good-looking individuals. And we're going to put you in the performance center and teach you the fundamentals. We're going to make sure you're a good trained wrestler. You have a good character. And then we're going to put you on level up and we're going to put you on NXT. And then if you make it past there, you can maybe one day become a WWE main eventer. And maybe main event WrestleMania. AEW, on the other hand, their idea... Of, of what they want, and, and I think this is just equally as important 
is we're going to take these indie wrestlers that that have already got the training and the experience under their belt to be good professional wrestlers. They have a following of fans. And we're going to sign them and we're going to give them better money than anybody would ever give them because maybe the WWE is on their radar, but maybe not. But this shows that there's two paths to success in the wrestling business. No longer does one have to just wait for the WWE to see the potential. They can go to AEW, work on their craft, and maybe one day their dream is to main event WrestleMania. And it's proof that AEW can build stars. They've done it with two. Cody Rhodes, he was not a star when he left WWE on his first attempt. He had to go to the indies, and he had to create a be part of the creation of AEW for WWE to hand out the bag that they handed him. Because they weren't going to give him that before then. He was a mid-carder before then. He wasn't in the main event picture. He was never going to be in the main event picture. And then Jade Cargill is a second example of a star that was built by AEW. And so these WWE fans can't have it both ways. You can't say that AEW that is just a, a minor league. That, that the big boys play in the in the WWE, and yet when you sign someone from AEW, make it seem like it's the world's greatest detriment to AEW. Either they build stars and it sucks when they lose them, or they don't build stars, and it's not that big of a deal that they lose them. I think it's kind of in the middle. I think AEW is, is doing a great thing with building these indie talents and putting them on the map so that maybe one day they can go to WWE. And if that's not their their path that they want to take, they can stay in AEW, still make good money, earn a good living doing something that they love, and it still be just as successful as if they went to the WWE. There's now multiple paths. And that's what AEW wanted from the beginning, to be an alternative, not only for the fans, an alternative against what WWE was putting out there, a different alternative of, of styles, but also an alternative for the wrestlers that no longer do you have to wait for your big break in WWE and hope one day when you go to your performance center tryout that they like you enough to give you a chance. Now you can go to AEW and bust your ass and grow up the card there. And then when your contract ends there, maybe there's an opportunity in WWE waiting for you. I think, I think it's a good thing that the ecosystem has more than one path because if there was only one path, then the, the industry is stagnant. And, but now with multiple paths, the industry can grow and flourish in a good, positive way. I don't hate Jade Cargill for leaving, just like I don't hate Cody Rhodes for leaving. I think at some point, both of them, it's really possible that both of them at some point in their careers come back to AEW. I think they were searching for something bigger than what they what they had in AEW. And they took the opportunity. There's no there's no hate for someone going and securing the bag. I don't I don't I don't hate Jade for leaving. I don't think she really is a good fit for WWE long term. My biggest fear is in a year, no one will care that she's even there. And then she's relegated to the mid-card where she's the eight hundredth and eighty eight hundred and different tag team partner that Chelsea Green has had um with that with the t- women's tag team belts because every time she gets a new partner, something happens and they get injured or whatever. But yeah, that's my take on it. 
But I also think it's really obscene for WWE to to uh, take a prospect. That's what Jade Cargill is. She's a prospect. She is not main event ready. That's the reason why she's going straight to the performance center. The only reason they're making this a big a big deal is because she was former a former AEW wrestler, in my opinion. But it would be like if the W if if the New York Yankees were trying to find an up and coming talent. They know that Ian Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge are getting closer to the back end of their their prime. They're looking for someone to you know, to maybe take the mold once they eventually leave New York or retire or because they, they both seem to be injury prone. Um, and they go and they and they go to, and they talk to like the Atlanta Braves and they say, hey, Atlanta, um, we want your 31st best prospect. He's in single A and he's struggling to learn the minor league system, but we want him. We'll give you money for him. We'll give you something cheap. And then they take that 31st best prospect on the Atlanta Braves roster and put him on the front page of the New York Times and put him immediately in the MLB. That's what it feels like the WWE is doing with Jade Cargill. Is there's this prospect that maybe not even the best prospect that they could have gotten from AEW. I think there are several other women, several other men that are more valuable than Jade Cargill they're going to hand her a bag and they're going to showcase her around like she's some top talent that they stole from AEW when at the end of the day, I hope she has great success, but it doesn't hurt AEW in the long run like people think it's going to. AEW is, is just – excuse me. AEW has just enough or plenty of talent to fill her spot because they're – we hadn't seen her in quite a while, so it's it's not like she was like some big part of our show, and and so someone like Willow or Sky Blue or um, Julia Hart or you know with the Britt Bakers and the Nyla Roses and Hikaru Shidas, there's enough talent in that women's division. We're we're going to miss her, but we're not going to miss her in the same right. We're going to miss her because she's a good talent. But we're not going to miss her because there's so much more talented people. There's so many more talented people on that roster that losing one isn't going to be that big of a deal. Now let's get going to the main main topic that I want to talk about. And that is the introduction of the 2023 Junkie Awards. The first topic of of this category is the top 10 men wrestlers of 2023 and I had some criteria and this is probably going to be the criteria for most of the best of part of these awards and to me it's not who had the best matches or who was booked the best as like PWI kind of does with their top 500 they kind of put the people that have had the best years in terms of like win losses and championships and big event. I'm looking at who raised their stock the most from 2022 to now almost October of 2023. And so we're going to go 10 to 1 and, and there's some more criteria. Um, it has to be something that I watch on a semi-regular basis. So 
not Impact, not ROH, not New Japan, um, but like WWE, NXT, AEW probably are going to be the majority of these people because I don't watch it that much, so I can't rank what I don't watch. So I know I'm going to get somebody that's like, well, you didn't put Josh Alexander on the list, or you didn't put X, Y, and Z on your list. And it's probably because I didn't watch it that much, so I'm not going to put it on the list. Again, I'm one of those people that say if you don't watch the product regularly, you shouldn't bitch and moan about it, booking or behind the scenes. So this list is of people that I have seen a lot of in the following year and I believe raised their stock the most. Let's start with number 10, Christian Cage. And this is, I think he's number 10 because he's just started raising his stock again. He started the year 2023 kind of in an interesting spot. I think he was injured at this point. He was still feuding with Jack Perry. But we get that good match with Jack Perry and Christian Cage in the coffin match, I believe, at double or nothing. He goes away for a while to rehab the injury. He comes back. And ever since he's came back with Luchasaurus, has just been a dominant character, maybe not in the ring, but just one of the most interesting things on AEW. Rumor has it that the AEW executives are very high on Christian Cage, and I think that's obvious. He just won the TNT Championship from Luchasaurus um, a week or so ago, and Coming into this match on Sunday with Darby Allen, I think he could possibly retain. I like Christian Cage. He he's having his this last hoorah moment, um, the, his last big push of his career, coming on the back end of a legendary Hall of Fame worthy career. Christian Cage wasn't on my radar to start 2023 to be like a big feature part of the AEW programming, but he's put himself in that spot. I like the character he plays. He's a really damn good heel. Um, and I'm going to put him at number 10 just because it's been kind of like the last half of this year where he started really building momentum, um, where some of these other wrestlers have really built their characters from the beginning of the year and have carried that momentum long term. We're going number nine now, and it's Braun Breaker. And I'll be an honest person here and say that I don't watch a lot of NXT television, but I watch some of it. And Braun Breaker started the year, I believe, as NXT champion. And he's had very good feuds with um, Carmelo Hayes and Dragunov. And after he lost the belt to Hayes with Baron Corbin and Von Wagner here recently. And he's kept himself relevant. The reason he's number nine on this list is he's kind of, there's really nothing else for him to do in NXT. At some point, you have to wonder when does he make his main roster push? I think he had a match with Seth Rollins um, at one point and for the belt, and he showed up on Raw a couple times. But he, when is he going to leave NXT and, and go to SmackDown or go to Raw and be seen by the, the bigger audiences? Because I feel like he's kind of, left his 
or done all that he could do in the NXT system. And I know they don't consider NXT developmental anymore, but it, it, it still is. It's developmental. You're putting your developmental talent there to see if they work with the, with the live TV audience. And he's shown that he has, and I'm, I just wonder why he hasn't been showcased more on Raw or SmackDown. I think that's why he, he's so low on this list, number nine. Um, Ron Breaker. And at number eight, Carmelo Hayes. Again, I think he was kind of in the mid-card North American title picture to start the year, and he's just slowly built his way up, him and Trick, um, up the card and, and just having match after match after match. I remember um, in February, I think it was, or, yeah, I think it was February, um, when they were in Charlotte for the pay-per-view, I was there. He had a really good match, um, and... He's just showcased himself to be one of the top future talents in WWE. I am hoping for the eventual Carmelo Hayes, Trick Williams feud at some point. I think Carmelo Hayes has a lot more that he could do as NXT champion, a lot more people now to play, uh, to do matches and feuds with. And I look for him to be up the list a little bit next year. When we come time for it in 2024, I want Carmelo Hayes to be in the top five and not just at eight. And we go to number seven, and you see it's 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 going to be heavy on WWE here, and it's Dominic Mysterio. So this is a guy that, I mean, come on now. When he first started wrestling and, and being in the main events of, of things and actually having a big character in WWE, I thought this was a joke. Like, really, he's just here because he's Ray's son. This doesn't make any sense. He won't last long. Once the feud with Ray ends, he'll go away. That's kind of my thinking. And he he's just built this dynamic character. Now, again, he's not the great one of the greatest in the ring. He's gotten better over time. Um, but he's played this just boisterous heel. They don't pipe in the, the, the booze for him because people just – hate him. I've gone from hating Dominic Mysterio because it's Dominic Mysterio. He's Ray's son. He, he's not that great of a wrestler. Why is he doing this? This is dumb. To liking the character so much. I just hate the character so that much because he's just a natural heel. And he's done really well. And he's, boy, uh, he's risen his stock up in WWE. He is currently the NXT North American champion. And I like I like the fact that he's down in NXT now and he can work with these NXT talents and showcase himself on Raw and on SmackDown with the Judgment Day. I like that. That's good. That's good work there, showcasing your talent. And so we get to number six. And listen, this list is so hard to come up with, just 10 guys that fit this criteria, fit this list, because there's so many I left off that could have probably been, been a part of it. Number six is Ricky Starks. And Ricky's always just kind of been like second or third place to me. Like it used to it used to be like Ricky uh, CM Punk, then Ricky Starks on collision. Well now CM Punk is gone. And 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 so it's like who's going to be the savior of, of, of collision? And I think that's Ricky Starks. He's put himself in that position. He's going to take that um to the next level, I think. And he really, to me, has 
main event guy, world championship picture. He that it just reads in his charisma. He's a decent heel, pretty good baby face. He can play both sides. He's better as a heel than a face. But I like Ricky Starks. He's good in the ring. He's good on the mic. He has all the charisma and everything that he needs to be a solid guy. Um, it wouldn't shock me if in 2024 he made the jump to WWE because he really does, I think, fit their system really well, even probably better than he does the AEW system. But as it is sits right now, he's probably one of the best in line for maybe a title shot at some point. In AEW, I like Ricky Starks and put him at number six. Number five is L.A. Knight. And the reason he's at number five is because he doesn't really, he hasn't really had a lot of matches. If it was just based off gimmick and character, he's number like one or two because he is the most over in WWE. He's built this character for 10 years now where he it's literally the same chant, but now he's back to doing it again where he goes, let me talk to you. Yeah. It, it's just so simple and he's so over and he's, he really, he, I really hope at some point, I really hope he's the guy that wins the men's Royal Rumble and gets to go and fight Seth Rollins or Roman Reigns at WrestleMania for a title shot because he really does deserve it. He's in the back end of his career. Um, I remember LA Knight as Eli Drake at Impact Wrestling, and, and it's the same gimmick, just in a different company, and, and it's so good. Um, everybody loves LA Knight. I feel like he's one of the most over guys in the business, and he's just putting in his dues and bidding his time, and he de- he deserves a title a title match. Um, I think it would be hysterical if he's the one to beat Roman Reigns. I really do. I think it would be hysterical if he's the one to beat Roman Reigns. I hope he wins the Royal Rumble, though, and uh, can can see himself in re- at WrestleMania next year. Number four, if no one is on the level of the devil. He's number four. It's Maxwell Jacob Friedman, and his stock was pretty high. I think so. Again, you look back to the criteria. You have to weigh in matches and 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 promo work and how much you raised your stock from the year prior. I think MJF stock was pretty high. Had I have done this list at the end of last year, he'd probably been like seven or eight on the list. So he's raised his stock more than probably where he was a year prior. Um, he is the um, AEW champion. He's one half of the ROH Tag Team Champions. He's but he's put on really good matches. But there just hasn't been a lot of them. And that's my one thing is I really love when a champion wrestles, not maybe not every week, but more than just like right before the pay-per-view. And so here lately, Maxwell's been putting in a lot of matches. But to start the year, he really had, he really didn't. Like the feud with, Daniel, uh, with Brian Danielson, um, Danielson had to fight the gauntlet of matches before he could even touch MJF. Um, that's kind of was his storyline there. And, and it took months for that to happen. And then he put on a good match with Danielson and then same thing with Cole. And he put on a good match with Cole and then they tag team and they get the main event uh, at Wembley. And now he's just fighting multiple matches. The quantity of matches isn't there, 
but the quality of matches have been astronomical for MJF. He's one of the best in the game right now, and he's very young. He still has time. I think AEW re-signs him in 2024. I really don't think there's as big as a bidding war as everybody's thinking there's going to be. I really think Max maybe already has some sort of contract. Maybe not signed, but but coming to him from AEW. I really think if AEW can get this um, deal with Warner Brothers done, he's getting the absolute biggest payout of anybody in AEW history coming towards him. Because he won't only have Tony Khan's checkbook wide open. He's going to have Warner Brother Discovery's checkbook wide open because they need to give him whatever he wants to make sure that they can keep him. There's no way you can let him go to WWE and and, um, and, and not let the perception be that Cody's guys are coming to WWE. That's the perception right now is Cody left, Jade left, and she was really good friends with Cody. And if Starks and Hobbs and MJF all leave, then that's going to be the persona that Cody's just influencing his best friends from AEW to leave and go to WWE. And you got to give MJF what he wants to, to stop that stop that from, from happening. I think he could hold this belt for, for quite a while and still be one of the best. He's just really good. I think the turn with Adam Cole may be coming soon. And I can't wait to see what happens with that. Now we get to the top three. And the top three for me, these are the people that, in my opinion, have done the most to increase their position with their company in the last year. Number three is Eddie Kingston. Where was Eddie Kingston at the end of 2022, beginning of 2023? I don't think he was even really wrestling much. He spent some time in Japan. Gets He's incredibly over in Japan. Uses that to, he gets the New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, never open weight title or whatever, the strong title, New Japan Strong World, New Japan Pro Wrestling, strong world title or whatever it is. He's now ROH World Champion. He's putting both on the line against uh, Shibata um, on Sunday. But Eddie Kingston wasn't in the main picture at the end of 2022, beginning of 2023. And now he is getting his time. He signed an extension with AEW. He got his bag. He's, uh, we don't know how much it's for. He basically said, y'all don't fucking need to know how much I made my money for or how, how much money I made or even how long the contract is. But I think it's a four-year deal with AEW, Eddie Kingston on the contract extension. He got his bag. He's getting his titles. He's getting a big push from both New Japan and and uh, AEW, which kudos to him. He's putting in the work. He's doing what he's got to do, and he's representing New York like a champion. I love Eddie Kingston. I think he's one of the best characters AEW has because he's one of the last of a dying breed of people that you can you really can't tell where the person ends and the character begins it's like he eddie kingston the guy is his character and he plays it like it is his promos seem real and raw um i love it the the feud for the past several months with claudio castagnoli and the bcc with eddie kingston has been great the stadium stampede match at wembley was great eddie kingston winning the roh title from claudio was great i think he has a 
2024, at least the beginning of 2024, is going to be a big time for Eddie Kingston. I think you see him at uh, Wrestle Kingdom. You'll probably see him um, in some big matches like this Sunday at Wrestle Dream against Shibata and AEW pay-per-views. Eddie Kingston's here to stay for at least the next four years in AEW. And he raised his stock a lot because coming into the end of here, I, I don't know if anybody would have said, if you would have told me a year ago, uh, the end of September of 2022, that Eddie Kingston would be ROH World Champion and hold a New Japan title and be giving a big push out of AEW, I would have laughed in your face. Because I thought Eddie was good, but he was always mid-card before then, and now he's he's running pretty pretty decent shows. At number two, we got Gunther. He's my favorite in WWE. He's better than Roman. He's better than Seth. He's better than anybody else they have. He's now the world, the, the longest reigning intercontinental champion of all time in WWE history. And I said LA Knight hysterically would be the one to beat Roman, but realistically, Gunther should be the one to beat Roman and win the, the, the world title. I don't know if that'll end up being the case, but I don't know. He's just, he's every match he puts on, in my opinion, is a much a must see match. Whether it's for a title or just a regular match or whatever it may be, any match that Gunther is in is a must see match because you're going to see somebody take a slap to the, the midsection and permanently risk some sort of hardcore injury. So, yeah, Gunther is my number two. And my number one, the guy that I think has been the best wrestler of 2023, Orange Cassidy. I'm being serious here. Orange Cassidy. He is the he has been the best wrestler in terms of character development, in-ring work, building your st- your stake in your company. He has been the top wrestler of 2023. Why? Because even beginning 2023 and even to current day, people see Orange Cassidy as a comedy gimmick. But if you see how he wrestles and the storyline that they told through the progression of his multiple title defenses for the AEW International Championship was he took a lot of he took a beating and got injured. But, but somehow retained and took another beating and took another beating and took another beating until the point that where he couldn't take any more pain without giving in, giving up. And, and that's how he eventually lost the belt. The storyline was great. Orange Cassidy as a character, I think, is one of the most over characters and has been since its inception in AEW and prior because let's not be – Let's not let's just be real here. Orange Cassidy was created prior to AEW, and he's he's been doing his thing since before AEW was created. But he comes into AEW, and everyone thinks he's a comic, a comedy gimmick, and in some way he was. But he's turned this so-called comedy gimmick, and and it got really over to where. He main evented several matches. He had some really good matches with some really, you know, unsuspecting characters. People like Shabata and Moxley 
and he's just a part of multiple feuds. He's now tag teaming with Hook. It's kind of a an interesting feud there, uh, teaming up there. Um, uh, I love Orange Cassidy. I think there's nothing that you can do to change his gimmick. It's just so good. Um, yeah, I don't know. To me, he had the best title reign of the year. Better than Roman's boring-ass title reign where he's fought, he's defended the belt like four times or whatever this year. Orange Cassidy defended the, the title like 30 times in the year 2023 alone. He just like week after week after week just defended that belt until he lost it. And the story was good. The wrestling in-ring was good. The the promo ability. I, like Orange Cassidy used to never talk. And he, he said, I'm Orange Cassidy, and I do not have a catchphrase. I love that. I just It's so unique and funny and quirky, and it works with the AEW fan base, and I love it. He's the, he is, in my opinion, the top male wrestler of the year, and that's Orange Cassidy. And so that's really what I wanted to to share with y'all. I'll be back here live again tonight at 9 p.m. with my boys, the Colin Audible boys, for the Colin Audible's podcast, 9 p.m. tonight. Tune in tonight, 9 p.m., same channel, same place, different show. Me and some of my best buds on the Colin Audible's podcast. Tonight, 9 p.m., Junkyard Media Group YouTube page and Facebook page will be broadcasting live there. But until then, I hope to see y'all again next week when we go over the second rendition of the of the junkie awards the top 10 female women's wrestlers of 2023 will be next Thursday same time here on the same channel hope to see y'all then hope to see y'all tonight as for as for now it's me junkyard james the host and this has been the junkyard hope to see y'all tonight